You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, America. This is uh, the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio, and I'm your host, Jeff Lucas. I'm a land surveyor and attorney at law. Uh, we'll be spending the next hour talking about land surveying and land surveyors. Uh, as always, your questions and comments are welcome. You can send them to Jeff at americaswebradio.com. You can find out more about me at my personal website, www.lucasandcompany.com. Uh, check out some of our free resources uh, where you can get some useful download information uh, on that website. Okay, uh, well, I hope everybody had a good weekend. I guess we're one day away from uh, another election, uh, but we won't talk about that right now. Um, but uh, glad you're here with us uh, today. Uh, I do have a guest on the show. Um, his name is uh, Whit Smelzer, and he is a Texas surveyor. Uh, he's also licensed in uh, Arizona, California, Colorado, and New Mexico. Uh, I ran into Whit um, at the Texas conference. I was close to the beginning of October, and uh, we had... Um, we, we had a couple of conversations, and uh, and I invited him to come on the show and talk a, a little bit about what what we were talking about uh, at the uh, at the Texas conference. So uh, let me just uh, welcome Wit to the show. Wit, um, good morning, and welcome to the show. Well, good morning. Thank you very much for having me this morning. Uh, how are you, everybody? Uh, everybody doing okay? And we're doing great here. It's a it's a beautiful weather uh, uh, here this time of year in Austin. Um, just in, enjoying uh, everything that goes with that. It's just uh, amazing kind of time of year. Good, good. Now, yeah. Well, one of the, we'll we'll talk about uh, um, some of your some of your travels here um, and where you've where you've worked. But uh, usually, what I uh, what I open up with is. Uh, just sort of a softball question for my guest. Uh, just kind of tell us. Um, well, first of all, you're in Austin, Texas, uh, but tell us how you um, how you uh, initially got into surveying, or, or what was it that inter- interested you about surveying? Uh, well, uh, surveying it kind of it's always kind of been in my blood, if you will. My uh, my father was a civil engineer for a, uh, a highway department in New Mexico, and so. You know, his influences have always kind of it's been around around the family, um, and then you know, going into um, you know college age things like that, trying to decide what to do. I have more technical uh, you know uh, competencies going on, and then business too. I always enjoy doing business, so I kind of gravitated towards uh, surveying uh, when I was in college. Um, I got introduced to it there, and um, I always like the aspect of either, you know, being behind the computer doing some pretty cool stuff, um, or being out in the field. More importantly, you know, going out and enjoying the outdoors and getting paid for it. So it's like a best of both worlds kind of thing. So that's what originally gravitated me towards surveying. Uh, so um, were you were you born in New Mexico? Is that where you were born and born and raised, so to speak? Uh, yeah, I was. I guess you can call. I was somewhat of a per diem baby. I don't know if you know what that is, but uh, you know, my my father being with the highway department, you know, we traveled around quite a bit, 
until we settled in Roswell, New Mexico. Uh, he was the uh, District 2 uh, engineer for the highway department there. So primarily I, I, I grew up in Roswell, but we have a ranch up in northern New Mexico also. So we would go back and forth uh, with the grandparents up, up at the ranch. And then, um, you know, just all over, too, uh, you know, just traveling around. So, I, you know, I, mean, I, 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 I grew up in Roswell, but I would more or less say I grew up in New Mexico going, uh, going all over the place. You know, either you know doing events like the Balloon Fiesta, or you know going to you know to various rodeos, or you know our sports. Definitely, sports was a big part of uh, you know my uh, childhood age. You know, doing football, wrestling, uh, soccer, you know all those kinds of things, and, and then you know traveling with that too. So, um, so yeah, I, I, more or less, it was a, it was a great, um, it was a great place to grow up. Uh, Roswell, some of the small town. I know it's it's pretty famous. Nowadays, but back when I was there, it wasn't that way. Uh, it was, you know, just a small little cow town kind of thing. It was the, you know, the, the commerce center of southeast New Mexico. Uh, everybody would come to Roswell and shop, things like that. But, uh, way to go to Lubbock. Um, so, but, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, um, uh, for the most part, a fairly enjoyable, uh, uh, upbringing there in Roswell. Well, good. Um, Actually, you um, suggested, um, with some information you sent me, you suggested another question that I want to ask you about. Um, and I, and I, it's uh, it's funny, I, I, I've never asked uh, any of our guests uh, this question, and I think it's a really it's a really good one. You, you talk about career influencers. Um, that's a great question. I wish I'd asked every every surveyor guest I've had on the show about that, but. Um, you 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 set out a few career influencers here on uh, some material you sent me or an email you sent me, and uh, just to show how small you know small the world is, uh, you have let's see three six you have seven of them, and I know I know three of them. You have seven, and I know three. Uh, why don't you talk a little bit about um, some of these career influencers uh, as you as you call them, and and uh, uh, tell us a little bit about them and, and your relationship with them. Well, I mean, yeah, it, uh, definitely I've already spoken a little bit about my, my father. He's definitely an influencer. I mean, heck, he, he learned, you know, he taught me how to use a slide rule when I was in grade school. You know, I, you know, um, you know, I remember going back in the fifth grade, I was asking my teacher, hey, can I use this, you know, for, for my, my math? And she, it turns out, didn't know what it was. And so I was, you know, meanwhile, you know, one handy with slide rule going through a test, you know, just whipping through it. And they're going, wait a minute, time out. You can't use that like that. So, either way, so yeah, my dad really, you know, helped me out, uh, quite a bit, uh, you know, teaching me the, the ways of, of engineering. Uh, you know, I didn't quite go all the way to, as an engineer, but, you know, surveying, I definitely enjoy that. So, um, but then, you know, going into, uh, into college, you know, uh, Dr. James Riley, he's a professor there at New Mexico State University, where I, to uh, college, uh, he was a, a, a pretty profound influencer in my, um, you know, was, you know, demonstrating and showing me the ways of geography and and law and, and uh, you know just the, just the core competency. Uh, really, um, you know, I uh, you know, Boy Scout being a part of, of of my childhood until you know. The team going out and, and, and building something, um, you know, for the benefit of the community. 
um, you know, that that just kind of tied it in. Uh, really, it really uh, snapped for me, and so I, I, I took his direction uh, and uh, and went with it. Uh, and it was, uh, uh, so I hacked off to, to Dr. Riley, and uh, and he's done for me in, in my in my career for sure. Um, yeah, uh, and then we, um, also to you support and I, that, you know, uh, Tom Maestas. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I was going to uh, comment about uh, Dr. Riley. I, we had talked about this uh, before uh, when I was getting you to come on the show. You know, uh, I met him. Uh, first time I ever met him was down in, in Tampa, Florida, of all places. Uh, I think he's actually from Pennsylvania, but uh, I met him in Tampa, Florida, and, and I thought he was just a, an equipment salesman. You know, he there was this. Uh, he, he I think partnered up with uh, a Birmingham firm. Um, called uh, Earl Dudley and Associates, and their little shop down there in Tampa was called Dudley Riley and, Associ- and Associates. So I, th- I thought he was just—I thought he was just a salesman. And uh, you know, we we would go get—I'd um, stop in there every, every now and then and, and pick up some supplies, or uh, for whatever reason, you know, stop into his shop. And um, I came in and asked him about. Um, uh, I came in and asked him about some, some little piece of equipment. It might have even been a, it might have even been a magnifying glass for you know for for reading a, an old K and E. And we had to go back to the. I followed him back into his little office there, and uh, I looked looked up on the wall and I saw one of these dime store frames that you used to be able to get, like at you know the, uh, at, the at the little at one of the little convenience stores. It, it, the ones with the, uh, it, it didn't even have glass. It had plastic on the front, you know, and it, and on the back it had, uh, it had cardboard and you would pull a little cardboard, uh, sort of clip out and that's how you'd hang it up on the wall. And I looked at it and I was looking at that thing and he had this, uh, this diploma, this certificate from, uh, uh, from Ohio State University, uh, doctorate uh, uh, doctor of geodesy. And I, <laughs> I'm looking at this thing and I'm looking at Jim Riley. You know, you know, he's, uh, he's just the nicest guy in the world, you know, and very unassuming. And I said, Jim, this is great. You know, how did you, get, I'm thinking this is a, some kind of prop, right? I said, Jim, how did you get this thing? He says, I went, I went to, I went to Ohio State University and I earned it. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely a great story. Uh, that's what that's what Dr. Riley was. He, um, you know, he was very down to earth, salt of the earth kind of fellow. Uh, you know, you could talk um, about pretty much anything, and he would uh, he would you know totally uh, engage in uh, any any topic. It didn't matter, um, and he, he, he you know you relate to him, um, you know, and those more complicated you know discussions. You know, he had plenty of you know ways to. To express those to where people can understand, he was a um, he was a wonderful uh, uh, professor uh, in terms of that. He's really uh, I know uh, many people who, who have gravitated you know, uh, you know to him uh, that were you know prominent uh, now very prominent um, uh, you know influencers in their own right uh, in our profession. Uh, so yeah, he's definitely has made a mark uh, throughout the, yeah, the world. It, it, yeah, he's uh, he's not um, he, he's retired from uh, teaching, hasn't he? 
least as far as you know. I believe he's retired, yeah. I, it's been a while since I've lost touch with him, more than 15 years now, I guess. But last time I checked, he was in Las Cruces still. Uh, they're enjoying, you know, retirement life. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah. All right. Um, I think we're going to – we got just a, maybe a little bit of – maybe a minute or two here before the break. Um, uh, talk to me real quick about uh, John Stock. He's another uh, he's another friend uh, of mine. Uh, what's your relationship with John? Uh, John, I, I, I became acquainted with him about the same time frame as Dr. Riley. Uh, there again in Las Cruces, um, we actually have two social circles. Um, I, I met him through one of my roommates. Uh, his his father. Uh, uh, I guess it was maybe one of his partners when he was in Durango. Uh, and, uh, and so we go hunting and things like that together. Um, and then lo and behold, I find out that I'm, you know, he's a surveyor. I'm, I'm going to school to be a surveyor. So we, you know, we definitely, um, we hit it off right away. Um, and then through the course of that, um, you know, when I, uh, actually spent some time in Phoenix, he was actually, um, I was uh, one of his contractors there uh, doing uh, work uh, when he was with the, with the flood control, the Mar- uh, Maricopa County Flood Control District, uh, and we uh, we did I did projects uh, for his for his outfit there uh, in that. So yeah, we we actually uh, it's been a few years, maybe four years now since I spoke with him. Last time I saw him was at the convention there in Arizona, uh, and he's you know doing great. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, moving uh, along. I actually. Uh, yeah, I, I actually had him on the program back in uh, in July, and we uh, we talked about uh, some interesting stuff. And uh, he's uh, he's doing great. Um, let's see, we got probably uh, just a little bit. Okay, we're going to wrap it up here for the break, and uh, we'll be back with back with uh, Whit Smelter when we uh, after this break. And we want to thank everybody for listening to the Surveyors Hour. We're the only folks that do something like this. And I would appreciate it if you'd tell your friends about it. want to remind you, too, that <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm about glad to get this year over with. And, uh, you know, we got a couple of months to go, but this is a good time to start calling Parker Davis Quick Stakes and ordering your Quick Stakes and markers and everything else so you can write it off just like I'm ready to write off 2020. I don't know about you, but I am. So call Parker Davis, 800-438-0387, and order those Quick Stakes and uh, get ready for the end of the year. And we're going to be starting a great new 2021. We'll be back with Jeff and his guest, his Texas guest, right after this. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800 438 0387 or go to quickstake.com that's q-u-i-k-s-t-a-k-e.com and order your samples ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today if you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference consider joining the u.s army with training in fields like medical care linguistics and engineering an army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world 
Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay, uh, welcome back, folks. This is the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio. Uh, I'm your host, Jeff Lucas, and uh, I have uh, Witt Smelser here, with uh, a Texas surveyor, uh, with me today. And, uh, Witt, um, I, I, I interrupted you, I'm sorry, but uh, you were telling us about uh, another one of your uh, influencers. Um, could, you, could you pick up there and, and kind of get into your career and, and where you've been and what you've, what you've done? Yeah, so, yeah, um, coming around to college, I, I went to work for the, uh, the Bureau of Land Management, uh, and that was through Thomas Maestas, really. He was, he was one of the, uh, you know, he helped out there at the, uh, at the university, and through that, I was able to do, uh, summer internships, uh, with the BLM. I did that for, for a number of years, um, and, uh, that took me to, uh, Alaska, uh, and, and then over to Texas here, too. Um, both, um, so, so that was definitely uh, a, a really um, a great experience. Uh, you know, working out of you know helicopters, boats, um, you name it. We'd set up camp, go, you know, be there for six weeks at a time. You know, out out in the middle of nowhere, you know, doing doing some pretty cool uh, uh, work. Um, you know, physical labor kind of stuff. You know, cutting line. You know, uh, I think our record was at one particular site was, you know, 22 chains was as far as we went uh, on a daily basis. That was the record to beat. Um, you know, cutting down huge hemlock trees, you know, average about 36 inch diameter trees as we went, uh, doing that kind of stuff. So GPS was not really available up in that area. Um, uh, it was, this was before, you know, the very beginnings of, of, uh, of the, the Navstar system. Um, and we are too far up, uh, to the poles to really, um, utilize those, uh, uh, those satellite constellations. So we primarily, I mean, we did use GPS, but it was long static surveys, uh, to, to establish primary control. And then from there, we just go off the solar observations. And, um, you know, turn angles and, you know, work off of the baseline, basically, is what we did. Um, and, uh, and then from there, you know, go ahead and establish, uh, new boundaries in those areas, um, and that. So that you're was talking, very, you're, very talking, you're talking, you're talking Alaska at this point in time, right? Yes. Up in Alaska, we were out of the Abbott Loop office, which is out of Anchorage. We would, uh, it's kind of a unique setup there. Because of the weather and things of that nature, they uh, they partitioned out uh, the entire year in phases, if you will. So there was a mobilization phase uh, that was early, you know, like you know, late, you know, winter coming into spring, and then right. we would deploy to field to do the field work in the summertime um, when the when the sun was out, you know. Long days, you know, the sun was set at 11 o'clock at night and then come back up like three in the morning. Um, so, uh, and there was, it was the, the rush was on to get the field data completed and in a manner that was, uh, 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 you know, precise enough to where in the winter months, that's when they would do their plotting and things of that nature, get all the documents together uh, for, for release and publication. Um, so, 
there really wasn't uh, much of an opportunity to go back out into the field. And so that's where I really um, learned the importance of, you know, a proper note-taking and all those kinds of core competencies that a surveyor, you know, is charged to do uh, in that. So, uh, so that was very... Uh, a very worthwhile uh, endeavor up there and, and doing a pretty dynamic work in a helicopter for example is one story that we're uh, up in arctic village we had about maybe four crews uh in that area and we had one helicopter supporting all those crews so we would rotate in and out of camp and go to various sites and so part of the protocols was to uh, strap uh, the gear and the basket outside the helicopter um, and then we would we'd get in and go. But, of course, we had to have our jumpsuit on in case we did crash, that so we would have some flame retardant, um, you, know, uh, you know, equipment on us to help us, you know, sustain the, the, the crash. And so right. um, the guy in the front seat, he um, was responsible to make sure that everything was tied down. And that, that's how we set it up. So then when no one... Say, hey, did you tie down this time? No, you, you know. So those, those kinds of discussions, and so always the guys in the front, he's in charge of doing it. So this ticker day, we um, this ticker person forgot to put his jumpsuit on before we we approached the aircraft, and so he put the the, the stuff in the basket, which is the instrument, is a uh, Topcon uh, uh, GTS2 older model, like a six second gun with the fiberglass legs and, and then some other bags and such. Uh, and then he said, oh, wait a minute, i got to put my jumpsuit on. So he stepped back and put his jumpsuit on and then came up, approached the aircraft again, and then totally forgot to strap down the equipment. Uh, so lo and behold, we take off, and about a couple and of minutes and into and it. So did the, and so did the equipment, right? <laughs> you took off and the equipment took off too, right? <laughs> yeah, it fell out of the cage. Uh, the, the, what happened, the instrument fell out. And everything else stayed in place. It was the heaviest piece, component of all the gear. And so that went down. And then when that happened, it, um, uh, the, the entire helicopter tilted like, lifted like maybe 20, 45 degrees. It was dramatic. Um, and, and, and that. So that the pilot at that time, he knew right away what was going on. So he yelled out at us, hey, you know, grab that equipment, open the door and grab that equipment. Because he was concerned that the like the fiberglass leg is pretty light, and he was thinking that that might, that might go straight back to the prop in the back. Uh, oh yeah, so, that, could, that could be disastrous. Yeah, so we very quickly, um, you know, it was yeah, it was an amazing day uh, to deal with that. So we yeah, uh, the guy next to me opened the door and grabbed the equipment. I was in the back seat with him, and um, we were able to go ahead and land and, and recover the instrument, which was totally trashed. Of course, uh, well, y'all uh, got the instrument back, right? Okay, but it yeah, was we got the back. It was just a, ma a mangled piece of metal at that point, but uh, we did get it. And uh, uh, lo and behold, the guy uh, from Washington D.C., the OSHA inspector, was there that day inspecting our camp. So that created a whole new dynamic of uh, that day of uh, trying to account for our actions. Uh, so, so that that was uh, so that was definitely an interesting day uh, to yeah. uh, to experience. Uh, this was your first th out of college. This was your first job, BLM. Oh. Uh, the BLM was your first job. Yes, I did. I did do some. Uh, I worked for a mom and pop shop there locally in Las Cruces uh, during the, uh -huh. the the school uh, months, 
Uh, but then when we had our break, then I would head up to Alaska, and I said, did that. I did that a couple summers. Yeah. What? Oh, so this uh, this was summer work uh, for you. And yeah. what, uh, what what time frame are we talking about here? Oh, this is the late '90s, I guess. Around okay. here. Okay. Just okay. Yeah. Just trying to get a time reference uh, when all this is going on. Uh, I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. Okay, so y'all were setting out new lines. Uh, y'all were basically surveying um, the uh, doing the original. Uh, the original surveys of the uh, uh, of the Bureau of Land Management uh, up there, uh, correct? These are original. That's correct. Guys were doing. Yeah. Hey, I, I'm curious. Did y'all did y'all run into you know any you know people already out there on the land? You know, kind of homesteading or squatting. You know, when you were putting these surveys on the ground. You know, yes. Um, well, actually, that kind of brings up an interesting point. We were when we did uh, a work around. Um, uh, Sunrise, Alaska, which is actually the first gold mining town of Alaska, is uh, it's just uh-huh. on the other side of the Turnigan Arm from Anchorage. The um, this is for the benefit of the bark beetle; they're inundating that area, and so there was a land swap going on between the state and the federal guys to get in and start uh, taking down trees to to decimate the bark beetle. And so we did. A, it was about a 15, 20 mile traverse around this. Uh, this town site, um, which is, it was a ghost town at that point, but if you walk through that town and you go into the cabins, it was like someone left yesterday. It was amazing. All the the dishes were on the table, you name it. It was just right there. It just was, it was like a time unbelievable um, experience uh, seeing that uh, and that. But yes, the people there are definitely... Uh, very independent folks, and some of them they just you don't ask a lot of questions. I just I got from it uh, when you're up there, but of course you know very very good people too around. Um, I mean it was I, I just uh, I can go on and on about the experiences I had up there. It was just amazing. Uh, New Nana, for example, was one town that we were there for six weeks, working off the river. Uh, uh, doing the same kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, work there. And it was just, the people there are just amazing. That's where they did the, the tripod, um, I guess, what is it called? It's been a while. It's where they threw in a, a big um, a triangular uh, metal structure into the river and let the river freeze up. And they, they tied to a cable to the shore. And they, it's a nation, uh, worldwide bet of when that cable breaks. Uh, it's like a lottery kind of thing. Uh, going on. <laughs> I uh, guess they were des- desperate for entertainment up there. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes. Um, you know, I, so I, that- I worked. I worked for my dad. Yeah, you know, my dad civil en- was civil engineer and land surveyor also. And your instrument story uh, just brought to mind um, uh, one thing when when. Um, we, we would work, you know, while in school, we'd work over the summer months, you know, for my dad, you know, from like nine years old, 10 years old, 12 years old. He never let me touch the instrument. My oldest brother uh, was the one who uh, who operated the instrument. And it was a, it was a Berger and Sons 1956 vintage uh, uh, brass um, engineer's transit. And uh, the, okay. the one thing, the one thing he taught us, or at least my my brother, uh, my older brother, was if that instrument ever hits the ground, 
you better be between it and the ground. <laughs> so all I can think about when you're telling your helicopter story is uh, is my brother <laughs> diving out of the helicopter, but to, to be between himself and the ground <laughs> when that incident. Right. <laughs> right. I actually saw my I actually saw my brother. We were on the side of a hill and uh, wooden legs, you know, and he was. And these didn't even have a little foot boot on them you know you, you had to kind of lean on the leg and, and poke it into the ground he, he was right. leaning on that leg the downhill leg and to poke it into the ground and it snapped and the uh, instrument came uh, yeah the instrument came uh you know towards him and sure enough he caught that instrument and he had it he had it against his his chest and between his arms and he rolled down that hill about 50 feet but the instrument never touched the ground <laughs> All right, we got about one minute. Yeah, we got about one minute to our break here. Um, so uh, I guess when we come back uh, from the break, I'd like to ask you maybe uh, there were there were other some other interesting projects that you uh, that you had brought to my attention, and uh, I think maybe what we'd like to do is uh, what I'd like to do is ask you about some of those projects, uh, the Rio Grande work. But one one that caught my attention. And I want you to talk about it after, you know, when we come back, is the Los Angeles Rams Stadium. And then okay. basically sinking it 200 feet deep? Yeah. Yeah, they reduced it down. Okay. Is it the, okay. uh, All right. think, think about that when we come out back after the break. Uh, tell us about the, the Los Angeles Rams Stadium. Listening to America's Web Radio, and we appreciate you tuning in to the Surveyors Hour, the only show like it on radio. And we appreciate uh, all the surveyors, as I've called them for many, many years. Our surveyors are the last of the cowboys that go out in the field and and do their thing uh, in the brush and uncut and all of this. And uh, we do appreciate them, you all. You know, the surveyor has really turned out to be the backbone of the United States in marking and letting us know where our boundaries are, and we could use a little bit of that today. We'll be back in uh, just a moment. Like I said, you're listening to America's Web Radio. We've got some of the greatest hosts and programs on anywhere in the country, like... Hey folks, this is Victor Armanderas with the On Point with Victor show. Just to remind you, don't miss every Tuesday 2 to 3 live right here on America's Web Radio. And remember, I'm not angry, I'm just right. Quick Stakes. Does your survey supply dealer have Quick Stakes? If not, demand that they start carrying Quick Stakes. Did you know that Quick Stakes are better for your back than your local chiropractor? lightweight, and easier to use than the old heavy wooden stake. Order a sample today and prove it to yourself. Quick Stakes, your back-friendly stake. And don't forget it, and this is a good time to order your Quick Stakes so you can take them off in 2020 and get ready for 2021. That's going to be a fantastic year for all surveyors. We'll be back right after this. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, I am Roger B., host of the Locked and Loaded Show on America's Web Radio. Be sure to join us live every Tuesday at 1500 hours for the latest in gun news, gun products, gun politics, and other gun-related stuff. That's Tuesday, 1500 hours, America's Web Radio. 
You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. It's yours. Welcome back, folks. This is the Surveyor's Hour on America's Web Radio. Um, my name's Jeff Lucas. I'm the host, and I have with me today uh, with Smelter, a, a Texas surveyor, also licensed in Arizona, California, Colorado, and New Mexico. And, you know, uh, uh, Whit and I were talking at the break just a little bit. Um, uh, David uh, Moxley, our, our producer, uh, gives surveyors uh, a lot of props, and I, I, I certainly appreciate that uh, from David. I wanted everyone to know that. But also it made me think about Mount Rushmore, which uh, maybe some of you aren't familiar with, uh, some of the, the history behind what those uh, those men did. We've got George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Theodore Roosevelt, Abraham Lincoln, and in the surveying profession, we like to say three surveyors and that other guy, because uh, George Washington did surveying, uh, Thomas Jefferson was a surveyor, and Abraham Lincoln was a practical surveyor. Um, and then, of course, all, they all became uh, presidents uh, of the United States. But Theodore Roosevelt, we like him too. But anyway, three surveyors and the other guy. That's what we call Mount Rushmore. But uh, so, Wit, we were uh, before the break. I was uh, I was kind of probing a little bit to see if maybe you, we could get you to talk about some of these uh, interesting projects that you uh, that you were telling me about when we were in Texas. Yeah, so like you talked about before the break, the uh, you know the stadium there in Los Angeles. Um, you know, it was at the uh, the horse track there uh, in Compton. So they redeveloped that uh, for the stadium, and so we. I was involved in the uh, the, the, the initial uh, beginnings of that project, um, the foundation control, things of that nature. Uh, they, they tasked me, amongst other things, but primarily would be to, to bring in the data, to analyze it, to make sure that it meets specifications, things of that nature. So we were, you know, we're talking down, you know, to the hundreds of foot uh, tolerances. Uh, things of that nature. So we really did uh, did quite a bit of uh, redundant network analysis uh, on that project. Uh, again, I was you know I was just a, a specialist. I was not managing the project. I was managing the data, if you will, uh, for the uh, for the managers of that project. Uh, multiple firms were uh, were on that site. Um, uh, so there was a lot of cross checking also at that level too. So on top of what we're doing. And they would come through and, you know, they had their you know, various tasks to, to, to construct various, you know, lay out various, uh, um, you know, components of that, of that design um, and, and that. So and we actually, why you know, through that course, me, go ahead. Uh, uh, why were they, uh, you, you mentioned here that they, it was on the, uh, uh, it was in the flight path of the, uh, uh were a flight path of uh, LAX. Uh, why were they yeah. constricted to that location, uh, being right in the flight path? Uh, just because of the um, availability that's, of the ground? That's where the, yeah, that was where, where the original, uh, that was the biggest enough footprint. I, I, I'm not sure why they selected that site. There was another site, I believe, that they was, uh, was a candidate, uh, but for whatever reason, you know, the developers and the city and NFL, of course, um, they they came to that site, and so uh, that's what was one of the issues that they had was, hey, 
we need to build a big stadium, but it's right, you know, in the way of, you know, landing aircraft. So they said, well, I, I guess, I mean, I wasn't in the conversation, but I'm guessing that they would say, well, let's just dig down uh, and make it happen. So that's what we were charged to do. Is so to they do put that. the foundation. They put the foundation 200 feet deep. Right, generally speaking, well, what, what, uh, yes, we had to over excavate in order to get the foundation in place. So we went yeah, deeper yeah. than what was needed, of course. Uh, so um, yeah, and so and there was actually multiple systems of foundations there. It's really uh, it, there's at least two structures that are kind of married together. The the roof is, di- is separate from the um, you know the, the seats, the bleachers, and all that, and uh, and then we have uh, you know uh, like there's a, wall, uh, a tunnel going down for access to the bottom. That's another structure, and it all tied together. Uh, so, um, so we had had very tight tolerances for the foundation, for example, uh, because they did you know they prefabbed all of the uh, the uh, the roof structure off site and then brought it in like a glorified erector set kind of a, a arrangement going on and then also the the seal for you know the, the bleachers and things of that you know that part of the of the structure so there was you know again very tight tolerances you know steel doesn't bend too much uh so we had to, to make sure that all the the bolt patterns were proper and, and in the right place and if they weren't then we had to figure out how how to you know send you know the 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 you know, the modifications back to the fab shop too. So it was, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. it was, and, and there was, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of stress associated with that, making sure that everything went right. And, and of course it never does. Right. So, so yeah. that's, you know, yeah. it's just never ending. It's, you know, you, you always try to get ahead of it. Uh, uh, so and, then and, you minimize, you know, that. And on, that, on, on any, on any construction site, if there's anything that goes wrong, it's always the surveyor's fault, right? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Cause we get it coming and going, you know, so we're, we're in the design phase of it and now we're in the, you know, construction phase. So, so yeah, we're, uh, the, the survey profession is definitely integrally in, involved in all aspects of that kind of a project. Uh, well, so you were also we, telling me you were also telling me about the uh, Los Alamos National Labs uh, boundary retracement uh, that you did. Anything interesting happen out there? Well, that was a very interesting project, being that it's not your your typical uh, land title documents that you would get, like you say at the courthouse, things of that nature. It was you know it was all top secret stuff that was they actually condemned the areas what they did the entire county, Los Alamos uh, County for New Mexico. And then they, they built this, you know, highly secret uh, facilities, you know, for the benefit of, you know, building the bomb. So uh, all yeah. of those land title yeah. documents remained sealed in Washington, D.C. It was in the executive uh, uh, archives is where they were. So we, you know, we were, we had a contract with the GSA, to the GSA, uh, to, uh, to go and, and reconfigure the footprint of that, uh, of those labs. So we, yeah, we, uh, we took in those interesting documents straight from D.C. and 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 and, brought, uh, and then retraced them and then uh, replotted areas that they wanted uh, done. Uh, so, um, so yeah, it was, and, and we're seeing different systems of kinds of surveys in that area. And we did, you know, come across, you know, some gaps, things of that nature um, that we had to reconcile. Uh, and of course, you know, we were given lands back to uh, 
to the government, the federal government itself, the state, giving lands back to the state, giving lands back to uh, reservations. Um, there's a, the Bandelier National Park is there. Um, and, and then, of course, the local, uh, you know, city now there, too, we're giving lands off to them. So there was, you know, quite a bit of, uh, you know, coordination. Again, I was at the technical level at that point in my career, but, uh, but you know, trying to account for all those various uh, um, boundary components it was a it was a, uh, a a challenging project. We got through it. It was enjoyable. It was definitely uh, again a, a tremendous learning experience, and um, uh, and I, I'm thankful for that. Uh, you know, for what Mike Heinbuck has done uh, in my career in that. Uh, he was uh, uh, he and a couple other uh, folks. It was a small firm that I worked for at that time, and they um, but they tremendous influencers uh, and um, in that. So it was. Uh, a great experience. Uh, I, I probably wasn't in the office for that one. I did go out in the field uh, every now and then, but it, um, uh, but I was you know doing the planning part of it. It was prim- my primary responsibility of that site uh, in that. Well, so yeah, it was uh, um, a lot of a lot of the, things going on with that project. With the uh, couple of minutes we have left before the break, um, uh, can you talk to us a little bit about um, your um, your work along the Rio Grande? Uh, the Rio Grande. I, I did quite a bit of work along the Rio Grande. I was I was there in Las Cruces. I came back to Las Cruces and was there for for a good a bit of time after the recession that we experienced. Um, and um, the, the the critical or the bigger project I, I was working with the U.S. IBWC, which is the U.S. International Boundary and Water Commission. It's actually one of the very few um, agencies that are not headquartered in D.C. They're actually in El Paso, and they, again, manage the Canadian and uh, Mexican borders um, for uh, for the United States government. And so we were going in there and doing a levy improvement project with the overall. So I'll give them support for that, uh, for boundary and also for uh, design uh, for that. And so and this is in the time when when Nevada, right over the river from El Paso, was, was very active in conflict uh you know the, the, cart, the cartel cartels were, were were levying for their power in that area and so we um you know we were very close proximity of those of those skirmishes going on i, I couldn't count at least once you know we were hearing you know gunfire going on you know and the, and, and you know and people you know going in a bad way uh in that and meanwhile we're over here trying to do this engineering project so so that was the, uh, you know, I was, you know, I was a project manager at that point in my career. That I would deploy crews out. And I would go out every now and then to, with them, but, um, but yeah, I had, I had weekly briefings, uh, you know, you know, with uh, the you know, border uh, patrol folks, and, uh, and you know, we, we had uh, they actually gave us credentials to the State Department, and then we would allow us to basically trespass back into the United States. If you're a U.S. citizen. You don't go through a checkpoint; it's a felony. You you can't just cross the river uh, in that. So um, so they gave us credentials so we could do that. You know, we did our bathymetric surveys, things like that, because we're constantly crossing back and forth. We're like, wait a minute, time out! I'm gonna, you know. So I we went ahead and you know got the you know the credentials and everything. We did one particular story. There was your, the uh, the Mexican government was doing M60 machine gun training. Right next to the monument number one, 
which is a monolith right there next to the river. Uh, we were locating it that day, and they were just right there, you know, just going through, you know, cleaning their weapons and, and just going through very. They weren't firing off anything, but they were definitely going through training. I could tell um, they were just right there in the vicinity. Um, meanwhile, I've got, you know, Border Patrol escorting me around and my guys. Whit, we're, we're, we've got to take a break. Uh, we'll come back okay. uh, right after this and wrap up. Sounds good. And want to remind everybody that this is a good time of the year to uh, order your quick stakes, write them off in 2020, and then go ahead and write off 2020 at this point. Um, we appreciate you listening. And by the way, when you walk into your local dealer, surveying supply dealer, be sure and remind them that uh, you want quick stakes and also the fact that uh, – they are missing a great opportunity if they're not advertising on the only surveying hour in the country uh, on radio. And we have quite a listenership. Um, and as I told Jeff, it's not just in the United States. We have people listening in Australia and in many other countries that uh, tune in to listen to America's Web Radio and the surveying hour. So... Tell your supplier, whoever you buy your quick stakes from or your other supplying, your surveying needs, be sure and tell them about America's Web Radio and the fact that we have the only land surveying show on radio in the country. And our numbers uh, are just fantastic for the show because we have got such a tremendous host, Mr. Jeff Lucas. And um, not only a, a lawyer... But a surveyor, or I may have said that backwards, not only a surveyor, but an attorney as well. Over in Alabama, I didn't, you know, they have teeth and they can read over there, I reckon. But anyway, uh, <laughs> oh, and there's Jeff shaking his head. And, and they have their uh, sofas on the front porch. But anyway, we'll be back right after this. Quick Stakes. Does your survey supply dealer have Quick Stakes? If not, demand that they start carrying quick stakes. Did you know that quick stakes are better for your back than your local chiropractor? Lightweight and easier to use than the old heavy wooden stake. Order a sample today and prove it to yourself. Quick stakes, your back friendly stake. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, I am Roger B., host of the Locked and Loaded Show on America's Web Radio. Be sure to join us live every Tuesday at 1500 hours for the latest in gun news, gun products, gun politics, and other gun-related stuff. That's Tuesday, 1500 hours, America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you, and welcome back. Uh, we're going into our last segment here on the Surveyor's Hour, and uh, my guest here today, and uh, thank you, Whit. I'm going to thank you in advance in case we run out of time here at the end. Thank you for being on the program today. Whit Smelser, uh, Texas Surveyor, licensed in uh, California, 
Arizona, Colorado, and New Mexico. Uh, Whit, I want to want to pivot here just a little bit. We've been talking about your career um, and some of the interesting projects you've been on, uh, but uh, I want to get a little philosophical here now. This last uh, in our last segment here, and I want to ask you a couple of questions. Um, in your opinion. Why are there so many disagreements? Well, we're talking to the boundary context, obviously. Why are there so many disagreements between surveyors, in your opinion? In my opinion, it's more of a multi-level issue that I see here. The first one is communication um, between the field and the office. There's a component there, for sure, uh, you know, trying to discern, you know, what those evidence on site really means, uh, you know, that, that's more of a, you know, a pragmatic approach, but, you know, in, in the higher level, um, you know, the collaboration between, you know, fellow surveyors, a lot of times I experienced where they keep their information close to their chest and they don't want to um, share their information with other surveyors. So you have to, by golly, go out and, and you know, and determine it yourself, which we're kind of charged to do. I mean, to a certain degree, we, that's what we do is we go measure and then report our measurements. So, uh, but, but once you go do that, get your measurements where there's, you know, questions, that's where I, 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 I invite the surveying community at large to, to come together a little bit as, as, uh, and, and go over those, those issues if there, if there is any to be had before you publish and before you set new monuments, I mean, I, I mean, the law is pretty clear. Uh, you know, monuments hold. You know, in terms of, you know, the, you know, the levels, you know, that we that we hold. You know, monuments, and then, uh, you know, natural monuments, man-made monuments. You know, this whole conversation that we all know. Um, so there really is no excuse for for the pincushion uh, effect going on. Uh, you know, uh, if you don't want to accept that. Location, then I, I would, you know, recommend to just, you know, document it as, you know, you know, uh, you know, you know, 1200 away, you know, from the point that you think it is. But don't set another one. I mean, that just makes it worse. Uh, so, um, but again, I'm, I'm kind of going off in a different way from what your question is. But to me, I just think it, it just, we need to have more, we need to talk it out more before we, we publish our maps at times to try to resolve those conflicts and, um, you know, for the benefit of the community at large. I mean, we're, we're tasked, uh, you know, to follow, you know, the law. And the law basically says we go out and we, we try to create harmony in the community. And, and that, you know, falls through to landowner rights uh, in a big way. And so, you know, we've got you know, two owners that, you know, they're just fine. You know, everybody's happy until a surveyor comes out. There's a survey, great conflict, you know. Uh, yeah, and, uh, I, 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 I hear what you're saying. Yeah. And I, I agree, communication is one of the issues. One of the, in my career, I, I spent, um, after coming into the office, being a party chief, and after coming into the office and getting a license, I spent the next 15, nearly 20 years, um, you know, trying to be a, a quote unquote survey manager. And then um, I, I ended up 
in a solo practice in the early 2000s, and uh, it really opened my eyes to how much evidence I was missing because I wasn't going into the field. You know, I was I was this office surveyor sitting behind a desk pushing crews out the door, herding cats yeah. and, and pushing ropes, so to speak. And uh, that was just an eye-opening uh, experience for me. Uh, all the evidence that was missing, uh, you know, that, that can't be put in a field book, that you really got to go visually see yourself. And uh, it's yeah. been probably 15 years since I went out, uh, went out and looked at a project. So yeah, I think communication is is uh, is a big issue. And then there's this, you know, this idea that I can measure better than you. You know, it's kind of like a one-upmanship. Well, you didn't get it right, so you know you're off, you're off 1,200. So I'm going to set a new pin, and I'm I'm the I'm the better measurer here. Uh, but anyway, with all of that said, I, I got another question I want to lay on you. Um, what do you see uh, as the biggest problem or problems? Uh, that you see on the horizon for surveying education and or the profession? Either one or both. Well, well I know the technology is, well, at least in the past 10 years, it was moving dramatically. Now it's kind of plateaued a little bit. Um, and that's just from my experience. When I was there, I did the equipment sales for, I don't know, like four, five years, whatever it is. But, you know, so I was on the other end of it where I was, you know, help developing, you know, this technology, um, and, and getting it out to the market, and that's what I see is, is how do we how do we use this this technology in a manner that protects our overall charge to uh, you know to provide a service to the community. Uh, uh, let me drive down a little bit. What I'm trying to say is, you know, at Subairs, you know, we we still we go out and do boundary and even construction, you know, to a certain. Point. I mean, there's certain parts of the country where, you know, that's the best evidence you have is, is the, you know, the, the curve that was laid out precisely let, when the mine was in place. So let, um, let, let me let me let me frame let me frame the question just a little bit differently. Okay. Um, when I started my career, and I know you, you go back, back far enough, you probably heard this as well. You know, our uh, what, what what our claim to fame was expert measures. And you just mentioned yeah. uh, advancing technology. Uh, in today's yeah. in today's world, who who can't be a, 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 a if if you have the resources and you have the wherewithal and you have the the drive to go do it? I mean, who can't go get the tools to become an expert measurer with or without a surveyor's license? So, uh, with that gone. Anybody with a smartphone is going to be an expert measurer here in the next few years. But with with that aspect of the surveying profession, uh, that we can't we can't really claim that anymore. What uh, what's what's next? Uh, what's next for us? Well, that's where the communication thing goes into play. Where we you know you know those records, those historical boundary records. You know, someone. You know, I deal with this on a daily basis. People are trying to interpret all those documents and, and try to make sense of them because you've got various, you know, all these surveys that don't quite match up, but they're supposed to. Uh, so, you know, we're we're tasked to kind of issues, you know, that gray area that we, we live in, you know, uh, and, and provide it our, our professional opinion, you know, you know, backed up by some sort of you know methodical process uh, and, and evidence at hand. 
and and we you know stay humble and saying, hey, this is just the best information I have. But if there's any better information out there, then by golly, let's talk about it. So that professionalism of of maintaining his landowner rights, uh, even um, the the project owner, you know, uh, you know, rights also in terms of you know they're you know building this, you know, like you say, the stadium. You know, we we we. You know, we're, we're tasked to, to, to get that in, in a manner that's safe and, and where they can utilize those facilities and not have to, you know, worry about it falling down on us and things like that. So, you know, there, there's a safety consideration, and that's where I think where we come into play is that, is that gray area, you know, that, that they'll always be there. There has to be, you know, that, that professional that can step up and, um, and bridge that gap between um, – the, the new and the old uh, and the measurements. I mean, I've, I've known it was in my experience, you know, the metrology. Oh my gosh, those guys go down to four decimals. And so we're, we are not the expert measurers. There's people out there that are much more precise than we are. And I, uh, I'm in awe of what they can do. And I, I have studied what, what they can do. And it's just amazing. And I try to tap into that uh, and bring it into our profession. You know, so, and let me ask you one last final quick question, okay? And we only probably have maybe a minute, minute and a half here. If you were the czar of surveying, what is one change that you would make in the profession? I was the czar of surveying. Oh, my Lord. Uh, um, Sorry, I didn't, I didn't mean to catch you flat-footed. Uh, record management, I think, to me, is, is what I would I would do because we're always redoing. I've experienced in the last I don't know, in the latter part of my career, is you know trying to maintain those records. There's there's just atrocious, um, you know, systems out there, you know, and so that's half the battle is just trying to you know pull up those records. And so I I would say better records management. And uh, all right. so that we don't have to recreate the wheel all the time. Well, we right. can, you know, we, we, can, we can spend most of uh, our efforts doing uh, new things instead of redoing, regurgitating old things. Yeah, and that's what I would. Well, I would we're, we're 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 out of time for this segment. Uh, I want to thank you again for coming on the show, uh, Whit Smelser, my uh, my friend, my Texas friend, and uh, thank you so much, Whit. Well, I appreciate it, and I, I appreciate the opportunity to, to come out and, uh, and, uh, and, and visit with you today. Uh, I, I, uh, I look forward to speaking with you uh, in the near future. All right, you take care. All right, bye-bye, folks. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.